Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. Learn more about Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at voxoc.com slash live and at the El Dorado Performing Arts Center. Hello. Good morning. I can't hear you. No, I'm <laughs> Oh, you got to bring that hype youth pastor. I can't hear anymore. Can you guys scream a little bit louder for me? No. Um, I know I'm 36 years old. Go figure. I'm losing my hearing already. Um, it's all the rock and roll era. <laughs> Them kids, they're loud music. Um, but really, good morning. My name is Andy. Uh, I'm one of the pastors and the creative director here on staff. Uh, it's so good to see so many of you. Um, Real fast, if you have been coming here for a couple years or kind of since the beginning, can I get just a little show of hands? Nice. Okay. So here's the thing. If you're new, find one of them and ask them why they still come here. Um, And you're going to get a pretty good answer. So rather than saying, hey, if you're new here, raise your hand. Nope. Um, (laughs) Nope. I'm not going to do that to you. Okay, so I uh, got a few announcements on this morning. Uh, let's go ahead and fire those up. All right, Kona Ice. Um, if you are feeling the heat this morning and you need a sweet, sugary, frozen treat after service, we will have that for you. So uh, we do this uh, once a month during the summer, just a way to hang out and, and have some time right after service. Um, so that is here today. So be sure to stick around for that. What else have we got? All right, so uh, through the summer, we have been offering uh, what we call care workshops. They've been hosted by Carrie Garcia, uh, one of our teachers here at Vox, and um, they've been fantastic. Each one um, has had about 50 to 60 people. Um, it's clear that you guys um, have expressed um, an interest in exploring what does the spiritual care of our community look like? What does the extended care like in your own lives look like as you participate in culture? And um, these are fantastic conversations. Um, these are free. Uh, you can sign up at voxoc.com workshops. Um, this month, our September 4th one, Um, We actually are going to have a special guest kind of share teach with Carrie um, on uh, restoration and healing. And uh, one of the things that Carrie has done is offered a lot of extended resources out of uh, Freedom Center OC. Carrie runs a nonprofit actually called Freedom Movement, uh, where she speaks and tours and does big events. Um, But those have been largely geared towards a lot of women um, in the community and faith. In this particular workshop, we're actually going to be offering some stuff for some of you guys who've expressed, you know, I want to take another step. Um, I'm really exploring and having so much more awareness of my own spiritual journey. What do I do next or what can I do next? So um, the we're share teaching uh, with another guy and he's going to have some resources to offer beyond that workshop as well. So uh, if you're interested in exploring that, sign up. It's free. Uh, we love to have you guys. What's next? All right. Next weekend, we have our last summer community picnic. Um, you. Yeehaw. If you've been doing, uh, if you've joined us for one of those, uh, we just meet out on the grass, um, bring a lunch before you come or pack it up in a cooler, some chairs, umbrellas, and we just kind of set up out there uh, on the grass. Uh, another opportunity for any of you to sit around and get to know us, ask questions and, and meet uh, a lot of the folks that are here with you. So, um, I'm excited for today. Bonnie Lewis is back with us to teach. Uh, Yep, she was on vacation and she's like, hey, yeah, I'd love to come teach at Vox. I'm like, of course we'd have you. Um, She's actually going to be taking us through um, an additional kind of exercise as a part of her teaching. I'm really excited about that. Um, We shared a month ago about um, some teaching vision that we're going into the fall that relates largely to uh, spiritual practices. So I think this is going to be a fun little primer for us to see kind of uh, what that is like and and how this room uh, might enjoy that. 
Um, after that, uh, we will be doing communion, and as always, uh, gluten-free is over there, um, and then uh, down here, uh, that'll happen right after the teaching. Um, one little note I wanted to make on that. Um, so uh, last week, I got up here and shared a lot about uh, kind of my heart and just thankfulness for the community, and um, of which I so am. The one thing I, I didn't get a chance to share, I was up here, and I was like, oh, there's something else I wanted to mention, and I forgot what it was, but one of the reasons I came into... Um, really that posture of thankfulness was that uh, my one of my uncles actually just recently passed from liver cancer. And that had happened just that week before while I was at Forest Home. And what the thing that clicked into me was just that realizing, you know, I wasn't so sure if he had the same kind of spiritual community to be a part of as, you know, we've been so blessed to have here. And that was just, that was kind of the thing that sent me into that posture of really being like, man, like I'm, if something were to happen to me or something were to happen to any of you, I feel like a number of us would, you know, go to the ends of the earth to look after any of our kids, our family, or any kind of care like that. And um, that's just something I wanted to express in that detail. Um, this really beautiful thing happened though. Um, he's Catholic and uh, he had a traditional kind of Catholic mass as a part of his memorial and man i gotta tell you the priest was was incredible the stuff that he had to say was was really really great but one thing he brought up that i thought was super beautiful regarding eucharist was that he made the time to mention like you know the idea of remembrance in a jewish culture um isn't the same way that we kind of you know think about it we often say um in this room and we talk about communion uh, traditionally speaking you know when you come up to do eucharist you know think about um the sacrifice in which you know jesus has paid for you you know and, and kind of remember your own salvation and remember all those things i'm pulling up a um a quote here so sorry if this is distracting okay there it is um but he made the point to say, you know, when Jesus was saying to his disciples, you know, drink and experience this in remembrance of me, and in Jewish tradition, the idea of remembrance was a little bit different. It was it was more deeply into the ideas that it was to bring about life from the experience itself, not just to kind of mentally come up with things and be like, oh, I remember that, or I remember this. It was remember this so that you would bring life out of the value of what actually took place. So when Jesus is standing there offering communion to his disciples, he's saying like, remember the life that you had with me while I was here, and then bring that back to life every single time that you gather, any time that the church is together, any number of you together, remember what we've done here. Remember the things that I had done and bring those things back to life and share that with others. So, you know, they were, he was speaking into this spiritual depth of life barrens that was to come in a future thing. There's a Jewish scholar named Nahum Sarna, and uh, one comment that he's made in some of his writing is, in the Bible, remembering, particularly on the part of God, is not the retention or recollection of a mental image, but a focus Focusing upon the object of memory that results in action. In other words, God remembering Noah, for example, by doing something, by sending the by sending the saving flood drying wind, remembrance equals a divine act of mercy. So this morning, as you kind of approach Eucharist, and Eucharist is, uh, also means thankfulness. So you got this combination of remembrance of what Jesus did and who he is, and also a thankfulness for what that actually means. Um, I would ask you to ask yourselves, um, what action is going can come out of this moment of remembrance as you kind of think about uh, Jesus this morning? So um, Izzy's going to go ahead and uh, start us off with some worship this morning, and then uh, we'll get started. So thank you, guys. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. Okay, today is so fun because last time I was here, I got a question, and it's my first question, and I get to answer it, so we'll do that. Um, also, I want to say really quick, my friend Ethan, everyone say hi, Ethan. Hi, Ethan. 
He's right there. Um, some friends of mine and I, we are writing a new paraphrase uh, Bible translation. And we're putting it up on Kickstarter. So Ethan is doing some filming for the Kickstarter video. So I just wanted you to be aware that's what's happening with Ethan. Okay. Question. It is always nice to see Bonnie in California. Thank you. I do have a couple of questions. Number one, I cannot find the verse where it says Sarah left in my NIV Bible. Number two, Bonnie mentioned the word for God changed in chapter 22. But according to a previous podcast, chapter 22 was written by author E and previous chapters were written by author J. Couldn't this explain the word change for God? Okay, number one, um, you will not find the verse in any of your translations because it's not in there. Um, you, this is one of those things where we have to, when we read scripture, there's so much stuff that goes into our reading of scripture, our interpreting of scripture, our teaching and discussing. So you have what the text says, and then you have um, historical elements, you have setting, you have time and date, you have so much stuff. Um, but you have a duty, I think, if you're um, getting up and teaching, but also just a duty to ourselves. When we read the text, some of the stuff isn't explicit. So for example, in that verse, when Sarah left, Sarah's there, and then she has died in another city. So we know somewhere in there she has left. So I, I'm reading the text and I'm going, well, what happened to Sarah? Where did she go? So then my job as a teacher is to look up in as many different sources as I can, what is everyone saying? What is the historical commentary? What are the rabbis saying? What are the Old Testament scholars saying? And what do we know? So when I did that research, time after time after time, I did not read one commentary. And probably when I'm doing a sermon like that, it took like 60 hours of research, 25 commentaries. Not one commentary didn't say that she left. They're like, based on historical documents, based on the oral culture of the time, we can conclude that this is what happened to Sarah. So when I preach, I do my absolute best to make sure I say, commentators say, Sarah, blah, blah, blah. If I did not do that in that sermon and that was confusing, I apologize. All right, number two. Bonnie mentioned the word for God changed in chapter 22. That's right. So we said at the beginning of the chapter, um, it says Elohim, and at the end, it says Yahweh. But according to a previous podcast, um, it said that uh, part of the chapter was written by author E. Uh, previous were written by author E, and this was written by J. So wouldn't this explain it? So for those of you that aren't familiar, this is um, like a really long and I think interesting um, debate about who wrote scriptures and especially pertaining to the Old Testament. So there's lots of different authors and they give them abbreviations like J and E. And so the question here is, instead of um, explaining it that Abraham went on this faith journey, couldn't it just be possible that two different people kind of contributed to this text and one used one word and one used the other word? And so the answer, of course, is yes, that's totally possible. That could be what happened. Um, but again, the larger picture, the larger narrative, the larger game that I think that we should play when we are reading scripture is that no matter how it came together, no matter who wrote it, no matter when they wrote it, no matter if this word came from this author and this one came from this author, 
We believe that it is alive and living and active and holds spiritual truths. So if two authors wrote that and they each use a different word, great. I still think and I still believe that God's purpose in that can be fulfilled in saying, hey, like, I'm allowing this to happen. This is what's going on. These two people use these different things, but the spiritual truth you can draw from it is X, Y, and Z. So not everyone cares if there was different sources. I also don't know what podcast the person is referring to. I'll try to find it. But if you have further questions on that, you can email me or text again. That was exciting. Okay, we are in Mark 10 today. So um, we have something different. I'm gonna do something a little different. Shocker, I know. Um, And so I'm gonna do a short teaching on Mark 10, and then I'm gonna take us through a um, sort of a spiritual exercise that all you have to do is sit there. Um, But it is designed so that we can commune with God on a deeper level and that we can experience the text instead of just hear the text. So um, we'll go through this and then I hope you guys will trust me to lead you through that. You guys game? Awesome. Okay, let's go through uh, Mark 10, verses 46 through 52. I'm going to read it once just so we can kind of find our ground, and then I'll go through it. Um, This is when Jesus heals a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, or followed him on the way. So if you go back to 46, I'll go through it kind of line by line. Um, Okay, so they came to Jericho, and then they left Jericho um, with his disciples and a big crowd. And so Bartimaeus is a blind beggar, okay? So he's blind, and he's homeless, and he's sitting on the side of the road. And it says he um, knew Jesus was coming because he heard that it was him. So there's this great crowd, there's disciples, big crowd, and they're walking. And um, Bartimaeus says, son of David, which means Messiah, you're the one that is coming to save and to heal, have mercy on me. And it says, many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. So that phrase rebuked him, let's sit there for a minute. The way it's written in Greek and the tense, um, the verb tense there isn't just a one-time thing. So it wasn't someone just saying, hey, be quiet. 
It invokes a sense that it was in a constant stage of rebuking people like Bartimaeus. So the verb tense there actually has no tie to a length of time. So infinitely, people are doing this to him or people like him. And so Bartimaeus is sitting by the side of the road and he hears someone and he starts crying out and they rebuke him and he already knows probably they're gonna do that. He's already aware that this is how people feel about me. They want me to be silent. Next slide. But he cried out all the more. So he cries out. They tell him to be quiet as he's used to. And he just keeps crying out. In my experience, desperate people do desperate things. There is a point where there is something that we need and there is something that we want so badly that it eats us up and we cry out all the more. And that's where he is. He doesn't care that he is constantly being told to be quiet. He doesn't care. He's like, this is my one chance. And so he cries out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and says, call him. And they called the blind man and they said to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. The verb here for call him is the same as when Jesus is saying, hey, follow me. And so we start to get this sense that yes, the story is about Bartimaeus's physical blindness, but it's actually also a metaphor. Blindness is a metaphor for almost every type of blindness we can have, starting with spiritual blindness in our lives. There is something going on with Bartimaeus on a deeper level, and his physical blindness is merely a symptom of that. And so Jesus is calling and saying, take heart, uh, or call him to me. And they say, get up, get up, he's calling you. And so he throws off his cloak, he jumps up, and he comes to Jesus. So a cloak during that time, it's an outer garment. Not everybody has those. Actually, only rich people have those or well-off people have those. Beggars don't have cloaks. So it's interesting that it's in this passage. It is the one thing probably that he has. And it's worth something. It's worth money. It's worth a little bit of status. And he's probably proud of it. And he rips it off and he jumps up. Now, commentators do say they wonder if the cloak is actually a symbol for anything that hinders us from what it is that we want to ask Jesus for. Because really, Bartimaeus has two things going against him, right? He's blind and he's a beggar. I don't know about you, but if that were me, I would want both of those things remedied, right? Like, I don't want to be blind, but I also don't want to be on the street. But for some reason, Bartimaeus chooses one to ask Jesus for, just one. So Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? I don't know what church culture you grew up in. The church culture I grew up in is um, you're not allowed to ask for things. You are selfish if you do. What you want doesn't really matter. And so you should probably keep those things quiet. But Jesus is saying, hey, what do you want me to do for you? 
He is calling out Bartimaeus and saying, I see you, I hear you, you matter. These people are silencing you. I am asking you, what do you want me to do for you? Let's do this together. Let's dance this journey out together. And so, and Bartimaeus says to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. I think it's interesting because that's the one thing he asked for. He asked for his sight. He's already thrown off his cloak. And so as I read this, it makes me think this says something to us about our desires, about what we want in life. Because there are things that we ask for, and then there are things that we want. For me, those are generally two different things. Mostly because I don't always know what I want. I think I know what I want. How we get to figure out what we want is doing something daily. Bartimaeus sat by the side of the road with his cloak daily, and he had time to figure out what is it that I want. So when the time came, when Jesus came, he immediately threw off his cloak and said, I don't want that. I want to see. And so on the one hand, you ask yourself, is it that easy? Is it that easy? Is Jesus really saying to me, what is it you want me to do for you? And is it that easy to just tell him? And on the one hand, yes, he is actually asking. That's an actual invitation that he has for us to say, what do you want me to do for you? I am here. But it's also not that easy because we don't always know what we want. Traditionally, we are told Ignore our desires, push them aside, find something different to want. But this is a prime example of showing us that the actual way to find out what we want is to go deeper into our desires. So Bartimaeus says, I, do, I want status and I don't want to be homeless, but what I actually want is I don't want to be blind. I have good friends who are alcoholics, and she said to me, you know, what I want is a drink, but what I really want is to be healthy. And so we all have stuff we want, but sometimes it's not what we actually want. It's just what we're asking for. So to figure out what we want, what we would ask for when the time came, is we have to say, well, this might be what I want right now, but what do I really want? What do I want more than what I think I want? And that's what's happened here. Will you go to the next one? <clears throat> and so after he asked Jesus to recover his sight, Jesus says to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. So that uh, made you well phrase it doesn't just mean that his sight was sealed. Actually, in the Greek, it is the same verb for being rescued or being saved. And so Jesus says to him, you have been rescued. You have been saved. And Bartimaeus, his life changes. He gets up and he starts following Jesus. So what's the difference? What is the difference between us and Bartimaeus? And what's the difference between Bartimaeus and those other people? Bartimaeus had nothing to lose. 
That's the difference. We have everything to lose. He didn't have any possessions. He didn't have a job title. He didn't probably have family. He didn't have a reputation to uphold. He didn't have any of it. And he knew when I come face to face with Jesus and ask him for what I really want, things are gonna get messed up here. I'm gonna start living differently. I'm gonna actually see things differently. I'm gonna spend my time differently, my money differently. Things are going to be different but he had nothing holding him back. He literally had nothing. He's sitting by the side of the road begging blind. He had nothing. So he went full broke. He's like, Jesus is here. I'm asking for all the things because I want him to come in and mess things up. But for us, we got a lot at stake. Sometimes we don't pray the big prayers because there's too much at stake if we do. Sometimes we don't lean into the hard scriptures because we're afraid it might change the way we think, which will change the way we love, change the way we spend our money, where we live, how we dress, who we invite over, who our friends are. We have a lot that we can lose. Lance Armstrong, did this uh, series of documentaries when he got stripped of all his titles and everything came out. And I think it was Oprah that said to him, why didn't you just come out and say that you had been doing this? Like, why wait? You knew you would probably get caught. Why wait? And he said, you know, at the time, I had won all these titles. I was dating um, this woman I loved. And I, all my races were raising millions of dollars for cancer research. It was doing a good thing. And so I had too much at stake. I knew if I came clean that all of that would be lost. So I thought I could just keep it going. And I don't know about you, but there are some things that I want that are easy to ask for. And then there are things that I really want that are hard to ask for because it's gonna mess things up. Because when we come face to face with Jesus, that's what he does. He goes in there and he heals and he comes in. He rips the bad things out and he replaces it with awesome healing and good things. But it changes us. It changes every single thing about us. And that is so hard. But it's also so human. And so you aren't alone if that's where you are today. But we have a real opportunity. I would like to say one thing, though. I have been in many church services that say, yeah, so all you have to do is just answer that call, ask Jesus, figure out what you really want, and go there. From experience, it's a long process of daily asking myself, what do I want? What do I really want? and then making that choice. So as you all know, I've shared before, after we had lost our son, I um, was in a really dark place. And what I wanted was another baby. But what I actually wanted was to be a whole person so I could be there for more babies. Do you see what I'm saying? And so it was a daily grind okay, I want another baby today, but what I really want is to be okay. So what do I have to do 
to take the step to be okay. And that's what it's about. So I'm gonna take us through um, this exercise so that we actually have a chance to think for a second in our busy lives about what it is that we want more than what we want. And just hold the possibility that Jesus is asking, what is it that you want? What can I do for you? So um, this is a uh, part of Ignatian spirituality. It's been around since the 16th century. The goals are to have uh, really good self-awareness, um, discernment, um, humility, service, um, a good union with Jesus. Um, but what's going to happen is some music's going to play. I'm just going to ask you um, to close your eyes. Would you rather the lights be down? Would that make you feel more comfortable? Yes. Can you turn the lights down? Are they down for you? Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, <clears throat> there's going to be some sounds in the background. Cue the sounds. So close your eyes. Um, I'm going to take you through this, but in a narrative way, slowly. And I'm just going to ask questions of you to reflect on. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and um, take some deep breaths. Um, Relax your body, relax your brain. No judgment about how you're feeling, but just sort of acknowledge it. There's no right way to do this. It is literally just for you. We're just gonna sit here for just a few minutes. So I'm going to read the text again, but in kind of a narrative form, and I'm going to just ask you questions to contemplate inside, inside of your own soul. Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? It's a question that he asked Bartimaeus, but we read it because it's a question that he could ask any of us. It's a question he may be asking you. So begin to see this scene in your mind of the text. Jesus and a crowd are leaving Jericho. Be right there. Look around you. Look at the buildings, the road. Look at the people in the sky. What do you see? What stands out to you? 
What do you smell? What do you hear? What is the air like? Is it hot today or is it cold today? What is the crowd like? Listen to the sounds that they make. Where is Bartimaeus on the road? And where are you? Who are you in this story? Are you Bartimaeus? Are you part of the crowd? Or are you just watching the whole scene unfold? So no matter who you are, take what it is that these questions I will ask you and adapt them to what it will mean to you. Bartimaeus has found out that Jesus is passing and he can hear the crowd coming. What does this feel like for you? Above the noise, Bartimaeus calls out, Son of David, have pity on me. Can you hear him loud? Or is it hard to make out what he's saying? Or does this sound like something that you want to say? But then the crowd tells him to be quiet. They rebuke him. What do you do? Bartimaeus shouts even louder, Son of David, have pity on me. And in time, Jesus becomes aware of Bartimaeus. And suddenly you hear Jesus ask for him. And the crowd hurriedly tells Bartimaeus to go with him. So he gets up. He throws off his cloak and he slowly makes his way over to Jesus. Watch Jesus and Bartimaeus come closer. What does his face look like? If you are Bartimaeus in this story, what does this feel like to have Jesus call you and to you come face to face? How does Jesus look at any of us when he asks us what he wants us to do? You hear him. What is it that you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus says, Master, let me see again. What does Bartimaeus look like when he asks Jesus this? What does his face look like? Is he desperate? Is he excited? Is he hopeful? How does he feel? How do you feel when you get the chance to tell Jesus what you need? Jesus says to him, go, your faith has healed you and his sight is returned. How do Jesus and Bartimaeus look at each other now? 
what does he feel like now? What does the crowd do now? How do they feel now? And how are you feeling? Now we're going to be quiet for a few moments as I want you to go in your mind to Jesus yourself. Let him look at you the way you pictured him looking at Bartimaeus and hear him ask you the same question that's available to you. What do you want me to do for you? And when you're ready, give him your answer. Be honest. Try to find out what you want and what you want more than what you want. What happens between the two of you when you are face to face? How does Jesus respond? How does his face change? How does it feel? Let Jesus respond to you in whatever way he wishes, and you can stay with him outside of Jericho as long as you need. I'm going to read the story one more time. And with your eyes closed and uh, the experience you just went through, see how the text means something new to you. And then they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And the crowd called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and he came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, as he says to you, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. You have been rescued. You have been saved. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Dear Lord, we thank you um, 
for the way that you interact historically with people in the Bible, but then presently with us today. God, I thank you for the richness of the text. I thank you for the questions that you ask us, that you're all about invitations, that you desire us to come face to face with you. And I thank you that you care about what we want and not always just what we ask and that you don't leave us alone, that you want to come in there and change us so that we get up and follow you in a new way. God, I ask for the things that unfolded in this room, for the way that you work today and the questions that you asked and the way we looked inside ourselves. And I thank you so much for this journey that we get to go on together. God, I ask in the days and hours and the days and the weeks that unfold that you would be with your people, that you would keep asking them, what is it that you want me to do for you? Jesus name. Amen. We're going to go um, straight into a time of communion. Um, there's stations. As always, you have permission. You can take part. You don't have to. But it is an invitation. And another way that we get to experience a God that doesn't always fill with us, with all of our senses. Just gluten-free in the corner. Thanks. Part of this, um, obviously, oh, this is my son Maverick. He's just checking everybody out. He didn't do so well in childcare, so we gotta pray for our people who were in childcare. They do a great job. You can't have that, buddy. No. Uh, but thank you for coming. Thank you for uh, the, the generous donations of our people that are here who really believe in what we're doing. We're so grateful and thankful for the opportunity to do this. Um, and as everything that we do here, it's always invitation. If you'd like to participate in what we're doing, there are participation boxes at the exits. Uh, we'd love for you to participate in what we're doing. And if you want to serve, that's another way that you could um, participate in uh, our community. So uh, we have Kona ice outside. So there's snow cones outside, which is awesome. Uh, I want to invite you guys to the patio to hang out. Uh, we'd love to get a chance to meet you and say hi and just kind of hear what God's doing in your life. So thank you for coming. Guys, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voxcommunity. Participate in the Vox Community at voxoc.com slash participate.